Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Well, hey guys, happy Monday, happy Parenting Monday. So glad you could join me again. Hey, I'm going to get right into it today because as usual, so much, so little time, so many things to say. Um, I want to, my aim with Parenting Monday as well is that I only focus on one little tiny bite-sized chunk of parenting um, because I want you to be able to really walk away with the principle or walk away with, with something really practical that you can take back with your own children, your own family. So today I wanted to look at something that I've actually had quite a few people talk to me about um, definitely over the years, um, but even recently over the last kind of few months or 12 months or whatever, and that is as much as we adore having children over our houses and play dates and our kids playing together, that there does seem to be a bit of an issue about um, things in our homes being kind of like destroyed by other people's kids. Now, I'm not talking, you know, when something accidental happens, like, you know, kids ruin things sometimes and that's just life. And, um, you know, I, I can tell you stories about, oh gosh, I remember one day when Georgia was I don't know why she was using blue dye in the kitchen with her friend, shout out to Lily. And Georgia spilt the blue dye in my kitchen and it went all through my grout and my white tiles. Yeah, not a proud moment. (laughs) I was so mad. But you know, there's things like that that's an accident. I'm talking about, you know, how our children um, act when they visit someone else's house. And it takes a really honest parent to go, how's my kid? Like, are they a pleasure for other people to have over their houses? Anyway, I thought I'd do a little bit of my own research on, um, on my Instagram. And honestly, I kind of was half laughing, half mortified at some of the things that you told me, but I said it was confidential. I don't want to give stuff away, but I just put something out there and said, Hey, has anything been ruined when other people come over to your houses? And, uh, look, it was interesting from, particularly the irreplaceable things like childhood dolls that were passed down from from us to our kids and then another you know a friend comes over and ruins the doll or uh someone spoke about their uh grandmother's um patchwork quilt that she made that a child came and ruined or um plants was a common one <laughs> people's plants i'm like don't touch my plants people my house is like a hot house yeah, plants grow no hot house greenhouse um Things like one kid, oh, I, I shouldn't, I don't want to give things away, but um, quite a few people said their lounges have been ruined by other people's kids. Oh my gosh, I'm mortified. Someone had like a white lounge where someone drew, drew a kid drew in permanent texture. Walls have been drawn on with pens and crayons. Uh, people's jewelry that have been kind of broken and ruined. Oh my gosh, the list is endless. And uh, so I really wanted to kind of address this because, you know, we don't want to stop having kids over our houses just because they might not be really well behaved. But what I want to talk about is how can we get our kids to our children? Sorry, I keep saying kids, but how can we get our children to come to a place where they are an absolute pleasure to take anywhere? And it starts Uh, in a place that you might not kind of put two and two together. And that is to do with 
um, this whole issue of childproofing our home. So that's what I want to talk about because you kind of don't realize how when we over childproof our home, we're actually not giving our children an opportunity to learn uh, boundaries and respect for property because we're always kind of keeping everything hidden or locked away. And so then years down the track, when we take our kids to other people's houses, they haven't learned that dreaded word, no, don't touch. And so I want to kind of pull it right back. And of course it starts in the home, but I want to talk about um, rather than childproofing our home, I want to talk about homeproofing our children. So I also would love to give you a few practical examples of the kinds of things that um, I taught my kids in my house um, and the expectations I had when I would take them to other people's houses. And, um, you know, they worked because time and time again, Cameron and I would hear, um, you know, comments like if we would visit someone else's house, then when we were leaving, we would constantly here. Oh my goodness, you know, the Bennett children are welcome here anytime. It's a pleasure to have the Bennett kids here. Cameron and I would even get stopped often on planes or in cafes by strangers who would often say, hey, I've just been watching your kids and they're really well behaved and we just want to compliment you guys. And not that we do it for that reason, but when you work so intentionally and so hard on something as a parent, it's really nice to be rewarded for it. Okay, so can I start by asking you a question and can you answer it really, really honestly? Are your children seriously well-behaved in other people's homes? Um, Are your children really respectful of the property in your own home? And I want you to think, really think about that honestly and, and think about when you take your kids somewhere or even in your own home, do they treat uh, the property, your property and other people's property with respect? And of course, one of the reasons that, um, and I always talk about the why behind the what, the reason that we should teach our children to respect our property, their property and other people's property is because what we're saying is we're valuing the person who owns it. Now, teaching this value starts in the home. It starts in our own house. So we can teach this. And these are the things, two things that I wanted to put together that you might not have thought of before, but we can teach this by not over childproofing our house, but instead homeproofing our child. Let me just say that again. We can help teach this value of respect by not over childproofing our house, but instead home-proofing our child. Now, every child under the age of two, probably under, under the age of four, five, six, more, does live in the world of me, myself, and I, so p- particularly really little children. Now, if we only ever child-proof our house and we never set boundaries, never teach them that some things are off-limit, never say the word, teach them the word, no, don't touch that, then they never learn to think of the world outside of themselves. So setting boundaries is really powerful when our children are little because it begins to move their restricted view of the world from self to others because now tangible properties involves. It's a really powerful way to teach this. And 
since this is the world that he or she is going to live in for the rest of their life, we really should begin as we mean to go as parents. But let me just make the distinction between safety and childproofing your home. I'm not talking about safety here. By all means, you should, you know, childproof to the extent that you want to keep your environment safe for your children or other people's children. So my home was always safe. You know, we always took safety precautions, um, you know, clearly made sure that the pool fences were always right and the, and the gates were working and we bolted bookshelves to walls and put fragile things up high and put the knives away so they couldn't reach it and put the, the locks on the, on the oven so that they couldn't just press a button and start it. All of those kinds of things are really important. And it's our responsibility to provide a safe environment environment for our children. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about over childproofing our home instead of teaching them boundaries. So to baby proof your home or to childproof your home means that you will physically rearrange your living area so that your child is never placed in a situation where you'd have to limit his freedom of exploration or confront him with those feared and dreaded words, no, don't touch that. So it's, it's childproofing beyond safety. Cameron and I were chatting about this because I, I told him I was doing this podcast and I'm like, babe, I don't remember ever actually putting any latches on anything or actually childproofing a home other than making it safe. Like, am I remembering correctly? And he agreed. He goes, no, we didn't. We literally never, I don't remember ever putting any barricades up, never put any uh, latches on any doors, none of that. I always put my children in, uh, made sure that they were safe in a safe environment. And if I had to go and do something or I was distracted, I would put them in their playpen so that I knew that they were safe. I'm sure playpen's not the right word to use now because it sounds like a big pen, but I would put them in their playpen to keep them safe. I didn't just lock everything up in the house so that they could just wander and have free reign. So Childproofing means that you're constantly rearranging your environment so your child never has to be taught no. Now, if you go back to my other couple of three podcasts that I did on discipline and first-time obedience, I talked about how it's a really powerful thing to be disciplining our child um, because rather than like when we rearrange our life or our environment for our children, that means that they're allowed to just act upon any whim and any passion and anything that they want to do at the time. And setting boundaries is very powerful because it helps us to shape our child's moral heart rather than them just giving in to whatever it is that they want to do. So that includes childproofing. It's good for our children to have access to things that they're not allowed to have, like a remote control, for example, and instead for us to teach them, no, you shouldn't touch that because we're helping to shape their moral heart and it helps them to think outside of themselves and that the world's not all about them. But let me give you an example of um, um, childproofing your house for safety versus overly childproofing your house. So the best example I can think of was when Liam was learning to crawl, we were renting a house that had a really big staircase. So for his own safety at the very start, when he was first learning to crawl, we would put those baby gates up so that, you know, he couldn't accidentally get up the stairs because he was good at getting up, but we knew he couldn't get down. So we didn't want him to fall and hurt himself. But then we worked really hard. And again, my wonderful friend, mums, who I looked up to, who always helped me with my parenting questions, were like, Renee, you need to teach him as quick as possible how to get down the stairs. And so I remember spending days 
teaching him and we would teach him how to crawl backwards down the stairs. Um, and then he, once he could learn to walk, then the same thing. And so we taught him to safely navigate the staircase. Now, as soon as I knew that he could safely navigate the staircase, we took the gates away. Now, I know a lot of parents would probably keep the gates up because they just can't be bothered because then it's not a safety issue. It's a, I can't be bothered teaching them not to go up and down the stairs all day. So really what that comes down to is then I can't be bothered to teach my child obedience. So instead, I knew I wanted to take those gates away because they're really annoying for every other adult that came into the house because everyone had to come down the stairs to get down to the to the kitchen. It was kind of like one of those houses came in at the top level. So it was a pain to every other adult in the house. So as soon as I could, I taught him instead, I taught his moral heart about and shaped his moral heart about, buddy, you can't go up and down those stairs when you want. Um, I want you to stay down now. And so it was only my word and his, um, his obedience and responding to first time obedience that, that kept him where I wanted him to be. So that's kind of an example of you know, when you do something for safety, but then it extends beyond safety. All right. So child proofing, sorry, home proofing your child has this incredible moral dimension to it. Okay. And like I just said, it's it setting these boundaries really helps to shape their moral heart as opposed to just letting them uh, have free reign of whatever, uh, you know, their passions or their fancies might be, whatever they feel that they want to do at that time. So when you don't lock every item up in your home, your child instead has to be obedient and they have to learn self-control and they also have to learn to respect the items in your home and then they carry that same self-control to other people's homes and that's the beauty of not over-childproofing. And this is kind of the exciting thing about it is when you don't over-childproof, it teaches your children that what you do in your home, you then expect them to treat other people's homes the same. But if we've constantly kept everything under lock and key, then think ahead to when you visit your family's homes or your friends' homes, like what are we going to do? Are we then going to try and rearrange their physical boundaries, their physical environments to suit our child because we haven't bothered teaching our child the things that are and aren't off limits? Can you see what I'm saying? So you're actually doing yourself an incredible favor um, by teaching them first in your own. Let me give you a classic example here something that you'd all have in your home, which is a remote control. So remotes are are a great example because now at first for safety, you might move them up higher when they're first learning to crawl, right? Because of course you don't want them to get a hold of the remote and there are dangerous things in the remotes like the, the small backs of the remote and the batteries in the remote. But very soon you need to start actually, um, moving forward on that and start the moral training. So I'm not talking about teaching your child not to touch the remote and then walking out of the room and the kid does touch the remote and they're not safe because they get the batteries out. What I mean is what I would do is uh, when they're really little, I would take the remote away. But as they got a little bit older, I would keep the remote there but I would make sure I was still in the room. And I then taught my child that's something that's off bounds. That's not a child's toy. That is something that's a part of our house that you're not to touch. It's out of bounds for you. You can't touch the remote control. Now, of course, if they were really little and I walked out the room, I'm not going to tempt them and leave it there because again, that goes back to being a safety issue. 
But a parent who does allow their child to touch or play with the remote control, even if, you know, obviously they would do it while they were there, but they let the kid touch the remote control, they're going to most likely pick up remote controls when they go to other people's homes. Now, the person whose home that you are in will probably smile and go, oh, that's okay. But I can almost 100% guarantee you that on the inside, that person is actually thinking, please put my freaking remote down. (laughs) I actually had a kid years ago back in Adelaide actually lose my remote control because they played with it. I was so annoyed (laughs) and couldn't find it and had to go buy a new one. So childproofing for safety and childproofing because you've got no control over your child are two completely different things. So my house was safe, but uh, once my I knew my house was safe, I, I did not childproof any further than that. So the other thing that you need to do when teaching boundaries to your children in your own home is to be consistent. So decide what's off bounds and make sure that those things are off bounds all the time. Don't let a child have something one day and then you don't let them have it the next. What's off bounds today should be off bounds tomorrow. Also, don't give them any freedoms today that you have to take away from them tomorrow. This is actually a great parenting uh, tip for a lot of different things. But just in this context, I'll, I'll use the remote control again as an incredible example. You know how sometimes you have old remotes lying around, ones that you don't use anymore and they don't have the batteries or anything in them. Um, I know it's really tempting to give your child that remote to play with because you're like, oh, I know it's safe. It's fine. But your child doesn't know the difference between an old remote with no batteries that you don't mind being ruined or going in their mouth or whatever. They don't know the difference between that and an actual remote control. So don't give them something to play with like an old remote because you think, oh, that's just a toy now. But then in a little while to come, um, you're going to have to stop them from touching an actual remote. So don't give them a freedom that you're going to have to then take away from them because you might understand why, but they won't understand why. Um, also, so the third thing, in case you're following, I had three points. The first one being, of course, take necessary precautions and safety. Secondly, be consistent. But the third thing is always be guided by the principle that you want to teach your children to treat others to treat other people's things with the same respect that you want your things to be treated. And that goes to think about that in the context of their toys, that they should treat other people's toys in a, in a manner that they want their toys to be treated. You know, I know I've had my kids come to me many times crying, oh, so-and-so ruined my toy. And one of the reasons my children would get so upset when another child would ruin on purpose, by the way, I'm not talking an accident. I'm just talking about kids that are just careless. My children would get so upset because we were so hardcore at home about looking after our things and treating our things with respect. So the standard that we want from others is the standard that we should demand from our children. And like I said before, you will be amply rewarded when you hear over and over again, hey, the Bennett children or the whatever your last name is, the so-and-so children, they're welcome in our home anytime. All right. So I wanted to give you a couple of examples of maybe some of the rules that I have in my house and that would extend to other people's houses as well. Because again, remember what you allow in your own home, they are going to treat other people's homes the same. So if you let them run all over your lounge chair with their shoes on and you don't mind that, 
that's kind of fine for you, but you need to remember what about someone else that doesn't like that? Think about the people. I know I don't like that. Think about the people with the white lounges. I can guarantee you they don't want children running over the lounge with their shoes on. So so we probably um, have got room to up our game in our own homes. So here are a few of my examples. I know that I'm super tidy kind of person, but again, this is the thing. I kind of don't apologize for my standards because I could take my kids anywhere. I could take them to a cafe. Um, You know, my kids' teachers would always comment on what a pleasure my kids were to have around. And one of the reasons was that they always looked after their own things. They always had pride in things. They took pride in the things in their classroom. So it just extended to every environment that my children were in. So our own lounge was definitely one of them. So our children were not allowed to run around on our lounge chair. They weren't allowed to um, to have their shoes on on our lounge and they weren't allowed to eat on our lounge. I'll talk about eating in just a second. Um, they knew the things that were off bounds. So remotes were off bounds. Obviously, touching my plants were off bounds. Um, touching anything in our bookshelves were off bounds. Anything that was an ornament that just wasn't a child's toy was pretty much off bounds. Um, our children never ate walking around at our house or at other people's homes. So um, I would always insist that our children would sit either in their high chair or at the table when they ate and they didn't throw food around either. If children, if my children ever threw anything off the high chair, I would pick it up once and I would tell them no. And if they threw it again, then I took all the food away. I was like, no, you're, you're playing now. So I didn't want to have a tsunami of food underneath my children's high chair or every time they ate at the dining table. Um, you know, and some people say, oh, but the child has to learn to feed themselves. Yeah, they do. But if I was going to end up with pumpkin and potato and everything else on the floor, then my child wasn't ready yet to feed themselves. And so I would still feed them. And then I would start with bigger things. I would start teaching them to eat themselves with something bigger, like a, you know, one of those um, uh, child kind of finger biscuit things that they could hold and something that was bigger rather than the tiny little things that would end up all over the floor. Um, my children always knew when they were in someone else's home, they weren't allowed to run around eating. Even if the person, the host said it was okay, I still insisted like, no, because honestly, I just didn't want my children to go to someone else's house. And that when I left, the host had to, you know, go around and clean every fingerprint, all of the food off the floor, all the sticky finger marks. They had to mop. I didn't want that to be my friend's experience when we left their house. Um, I never locked my cupboards with latches or any of the drawers. I taught my children that they were off bounds. And like I said, if it was a safety issue, if I, if I moved out of the room, then I would put them in their playpen. Um, I did allow them one drawer, actually, because often they'd want to come and sit at my feet when I was cooking in the kitchen. So there was one drawer at the bottom and I just filled it with all fun kind of things, anything that was wooden or plastic, you know, plates, cups, wooden spoons. And they loved it. I remember Ashton would take everything out and put everything back in again over and over while I was cooking. So he knew that that one drawer he was allowed to be in. 
Um, I had really strict toy rules. I had all of my toys. I'm going to podcast on this, actually. I want to help you guys with some of your organization um, because I only had one lounge when my children were young, three little children under the age of five and one lounge that they had to share with the adults. And I just didn't want people to have to come and be stepping over toys all the time. time. So, you know, I had all of my toys in boxes and I would pull one box out or two boxes out. Um, and then when they finished playing with it, they had to put everything away before they could get the next box out. And I taught them that from a very, very young age. I would always do it with them to start with, but then I expected them to do it themselves. In fact, this is a really good thing. It's not good just to let children have free range of air, free reign, sorry, sound like chickens, free range, free reign of every single toy in a toy room. It's good for them to learn, and this is my teacher side coming out, it's good for them to learn to focus on one or two things rather than to move from item to item. So it's actually a really good thing for their development anyway to put their toys in boxes and just bring them out one at a time. Um When they came in from the pool, they had to dry off outside before they could come in. Um, I didn't let them touch things that they were too young for. So, for example, I wouldn't give them books um, if I knew that there was a chance they might rip the pages. Uh, Oh, my gosh. This is – I love books. This is – I – honestly – if you want to – if my family want to make me happy for my birthday, just buy me a book. And so I've had – I've kept all of the kids' really precious books, and I've had so many times where – other people's kids have come over and ripped pages and it pains me. So don't let your kids touch books if you know that they could potentially rip the pages. Okay. So all of those things go for when you go to someone else's house, to someone else's house. I'll just add a few more for when you visit someone else's home. I did not let my children run from room to room. I just think it's really rude. I just think, you know, I didn't want my kids running around into the parents' bedroom or, you know, just areas that weren't for them. I'm like, no, you, you play where, where in the lounge room or outside or in the toy room or one of the bedrooms. You don't go running from room to room. Um, like I said, if they had a snack, I would insist that they sat on one spot on the floor or at the table. Um The other thing too, don't let them go opening cupboard doors or fridges or pantries in other people's homes. And the other thing I would do always is whenever I left someone's home, I would say to my kids, we're going to leave their home even better than how we found it. And so I would always get my children to help pack up the toys. And even if that person would insist, no, 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 we'll do it later. I know I've said that, but gee, I'm glad for the help when I get it. So I've always taught my kids, no, let's do it together. Many hands make light work, light work. And it just teaches them respect for other people's things. So there you go. Look, I could go on more about this. I reckon I could do a whole one on how to take your child to a cafe and for it to be a delight for everyone else around them to have your child at the cafe. But I think that's a whole other podcast. So anyway, that's today's. So that's your homework for this week. Go to someone else's home and um, just keep your eye on how your children uh, react and respond. And um, yeah, I know that people will absolutely be so grateful for it. Anyway, I hope you have the most wonderful week and really looking forward to being back with you. If you're following the Wednesday Leadership Podcast, Cameron and I are doing a whole series on how to run an incredible youth ministry. So come join us on Wednesday. Otherwise, we'll be back next Monday. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.